0: Good morning. For those of you that have no idea who I am, my name is Bill, and, uh, and I've been hanging around here ever since I retired for the last six years or so. And, and i got a question for you before we start. And I, you don't have to answer it this minute, but I want you to think about it. Are there contradictions in the Bible? You think about that for a few minutes. And uh, we're going to turn to the book of Jude, chapter 0. There is no, there's only one tiny chapter. It's just before the book of Revelation in the end of your Bible. And we've had a couple of sermons out of it uh, when I'm on because I love this book. It's very short, it's 25 verses long, but it is packed with power. And we had a couple of sermons earlier out of it. Well, we're going to the end of the chapter now. We're skipping over a whole bunch. I want you to read it for yourself when you get home. Jude began his book wishing he could talk about the gospel, but instead he said his job was to talk about false teaching. And there's a whole bunch of that, of examples, in the piece that I'm skipping but we're still going to talk about it just a little. We're going to begin in verse 17. He says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and do not have the Spirit. He says, false teachers are in love with the things they want, their own ungodly desires. What does he mean by natural instincts? The natural instinct of human beings is to seek power and control or wealth. We are, all, we are after something from life. We don't always know what it is but it usually involves being in charge of somebody or something and uh, doing pretty well for ourselves. So he says, these are the people who divide you. That's one of the natural things that people do when they want control. They cause or, or manage division. There may be divisions that exist already, They manage them to spread them apart and set people against one another so that they can control somebody. And it's not a spiritual activity. It's very human. Now we get to the part, but, but you dear friends, now, I asked you earlier, are there contradictions in the Bible? Would somebody dare to answer that? Are there contradictions? I don't hear anybody saying anything. and I know I'm deaf. I, I have hearing aids, and I got them turned way down because I got so much stuff hanging on my head that... No, okay, we'll, we'll say no. I would agree with that. But, in this passage... In this little short book, there seems to be contradictions. My dad would have loved this, if he and he did read it, I'm sure. I don't think he noticed it, because we never debated this one. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, and he read the Bible for much of my life to find the contradictions and prove it wasn't true. And I used to believe it was full of contradictions, too, And I, not that I'd read it, because he told me, right? And uh, when I... Got to my mid 20s and uh, began to read it for myself, uh, I realized that I don't think there are any after I'd read it several times. I thought, there aren't, it's not contradictory. There are seeming contradictions, and here is one of them in this book. If you were here for the first sermon on the book of Jude, we talked about God's mercy, his love his care, his calling, all the things that we desire. And how God calls us to himself, he loves us, and we are kept by the love of Jesus Christ. And I made a big issue out of that because that's what God does. And now here, it reads, but you, dear friends, Build yourselves up in your holy face. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love. Now, my dad would have jumped on that if, we, if I brought it up. And he would have said, see, there's a contradiction. You say at the beginning of the book that, uh, that it's all up to God. He calls. He loves. He keeps. And now, it says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love. Is that a contradiction? No. Because it's not either or. It's not God or us. It's both. Because you see, God does call us to himself. He does love us. He does keep us when we bow the knee to him and become his children. We are kept by him. But we also have decisions, right? We have free will. We can decide whether or not to draw near to continue to draw near to Him, to follow Him, to be His followers, to obey Him, or we can pretend all that doesn't matter. You see, sometimes in I've noticed over the years that sometimes we treat salvation as if it's an event. We come to a crisis in our life, a crisis of faith, and we we bow and receive Christ, and then we get up and we walk away as if nothing has changed. And salvation is an event, but at the same time, it's a process. And we live in that process. Our new life involves developing new habits, learning what, finally, for sure, what is right and wrong. We didn't know that before. We made up our own rules, right? That's how we do. We pretend we go by the rules, but we make them up as we go along. And now we begin to live, not for ourselves and our ideas, but we live for Christ. And His desires, His wishes, they become our new way of life. So it may seem like a contradiction, it would have to my father, but it's not because instead of debating one side of the issue or the other, is it God or is it us? We welcome God and all that he's done for us. He is the author and finisher of our salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. And we live within that. We begin to help Him, by obedience, to build our new life. We do that through, it mentions specifically prayer. We also do it by study and, and practice of the Word of God. Study and practice it's not enough just to study the word of god i started off that way but i began to realize that we also have to practice what we are reading we apply it to our lives if the bible says do not lie we stop or we attempt to stop i don't know anybody who has ever uh, completely conquered that but we We do our utmost to obey Him. We keep ourselves in God's love. That means returning to Him over and over again for guidance, for strength, in prayer and in His Word. Now, some days are going to be better than others. How many of you read the Bible every single day? Day, or I have read it every single day since the day you gave yourself to Jesus. I'm going to clasp my hands firmly behind my back, and, but I'm waiting to see yours. Uh, maybe not. Okay. It's because we, we struggle with this, right? We are incapable of, of completely and fully obeying Christ. We just do what we can We put things in place that that help us to do that. Uh, One of the little things that my wife and I have done, come this fall, we're going to have been married 50 years, and my wife has been a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, for 48 of those years, and, and I'm a little slow, so I'm only about 44 or so. But sometime back in the past, it wasn't right away, it took us a while to figure this out, but sometime back in the past, we began to make it a practice to read the Bible when we crawled into bed every night. We read a few verses and we pray together. And, uh, and it's not earth-shaking stuff, believe me, where you'd, you'd be embarrassed by some of the things we pray about and some of the things we talk about. Uh, I'd be embarrassed if you knew how foolish we are sometimes. It's helped us to ground ourselves always, even on the days that you know you get a, You think you can. You're in such a rush, you got to get at it, and you rush up, leap out of the house, and and uh, oh hey, I didn't stop to read or pray this morning. Uh, well, even when you don't remember that you didn't do it, there's somebody else to remind you in the evening. So. Uh, but little things like that. You, you put things in place that help you to, to build yourself up in his word, in prayer. Now he says, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now there's a, an interesting contradiction. Well, not exactly, but seemingly because isn't eternal life our present possession? Other places in the Scriptures would tell us that. Yes, we have passed from death to life. And now it says, uh, you, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Once again, it's one of those things that seem contradictory, but not exactly exactly. Just imagine that you're in prison. Now, I've never been in prison myself, but I have a very close friend back where I come from who spent four years in Stony Mountain, the federal penitentiary for manslaughter. And uh, uh, now you know what kind of people I hang around with, okay? Uh, But uh, anyhow, he got out one day after his sentence was done, they let him out. I mean, it's kind of like, now just imagine you were in prison. And the judge who put you there and sentenced you to life, will say, life. sends you to life in prison. Uh, he starts looking at your case one day when he's got nothing better to do over coffee break. And he decides, you know what, I'm going to let this person go. So he prepares the papers, sends them to the jail, and you're sitting in your little cubbyhole, wherever that is, minding your own business and trying to not to draw any attention to yourself because jail can be a terrible place. That's what my friend told me. He said, it's an awful place to be. And somebody comes along with the papers and hands them to you and shakes your hand and says, you are free. Well, you're still in jail, right? There's a big long hallway to walk down. There's doors at the end that are already open for you to walk through. And so you start the long, lonely march, and everybody on either side is yelling at you and banging their cups on the bars or whatever it is that they do in jails. And you're free, but you're still in there, right? That's kind of like it is for us. We've already been freed. We've just got, we're just in the midst of the long walk, the journey to those gates, Which don't keep us in, but let us in to that eternal life that is already ours. In Christ, we have the papers already. We have the papers already. We're just walking down the road. Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Yeast mentioned it last week. Great novel, great allegory great truth. We're on our way to the celestial city, but we still have the trail to walk. Now, he begins to talk about what we need to do for others, because you see, it's not just about us. It is about us, but not just us. He says, be merciful to those who doubt. How many of you, stick up your hand, if you, from the day that you believed, have never doubted anything to do with, with God and the Christian life and uh, lights are kind of bright in here so I can't see your hands, but I'll assume nobody put their hand up because you look like honest people. And yes, we all experience doubt about different things at different times in different circumstances, and sometimes people can, when they see somebody who's struggling with doubt, they can be quite condemnatory. Uh, My wife has experienced a lot of that over the years because she has had terrible health issues, and uh, life-threatening ones at times, and some people some people have the idea that if you have enough faith, you never get sick, right? Now, that's, you can say that if you've never had anything worse than a bad cold, because you pray for healing from a cold, and in three days, you're better, right? But uh, there are some things that are more serious than that. And uh, God doesn't always answer everything exactly the way that we ask. We may ask for deliverance from something but it doesn't always come. Even the apostle Paul experienced that. He said, what "And we don't know what his problem was, but he said, "Whatever it was, he said, "I beg God to release me three times." And he said, "Let my grace be sufficient for you." God had something else in mind that he was working in Paul's life that was more important than what was going on than what Paul thought was important about his health. Or else God was actually using that circumstance to work something in Paul's life. That happens. Sometimes God God never wastes our pain and, and suffering. He doesn't always take it away, but he always uses it for our good. So he says be merciful to those who doubt. Don't sit in judgment on them and tell them what they should be believing and how they should have faith and and, uh, uh, if they had faith they wouldn't be where they are. Well, we don't know that. We never know that. He says save others by snatching them from the fire. Get involved in people's lives. They may be messy sometimes. They may seem like they're on fire and you need to pluck them out. Help to pluck them out. God is the one who plucks. But sometimes he sends our hand to do it. Our lips, our prayers, our kind words to do it. Save others by snatching them from the fire. And here's the real difficult one. To others show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Does that mean we're supposed to be afraid of people that we're trying to help? Not at all. Not at all. We're to fear, above all things, I think, ourselves and our own inclinations. That's why he says this. When we go to help other people, sometimes... We can be tempted to get involved in what they're involved in. Well, I'll just uh, I'll just try this because what can once how can once really hurt me? I'll try that because well I've always wanted to, and and I know these people have gone too far, but it looks harmless, you know. If you just if you just control yourself, right? Well. That doesn't work very well, and we are all, all easily led astray. Uh, You probably hate to hear that, but it's true. Uh, We won't talk about you. We'll talk about me. I'm weak as water. I'm the laziest person I know. I'll always take the shortest way, and I struggle with temptation in many areas. We're supposed to be a little afraid, but not of the people we're trying to help. Be a little afraid of our own natural instincts, which Christ is trying to help us to overcome, which he will give us victory over. So we're to hate the sin and fear it, but love the sinner. That's the thing about judgment. We're uh, we're called to judge sin, but not people. We can look at something and say, that ain't very good for you. But we don't look at the person and say, you're worthless. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. We can't do that. Because that's not what Jesus would have done, not what he did when he walked amongst us. So he says... To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Once again, it's back where it belongs. You know, we see our part in verses 20, 21. That's our part. To build ourselves up. To keep ourselves in God's love. To pray in the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, the initiative all comes from God Himself. To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, we can serve Him in some dangerous or difficult places with that assurance. And to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Does that mean that I am without fault? Not at all. But it means that my faults, my sins, have been paid for by the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and my trust in Jesus Christ and his work on my behalf. I will stand before God someday without fault, not because I'm faultless, but because Christ loved me and died for me. The Old Testament says all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and God has laid on him, that is on Christ, the iniquity of us all, leaving us sinless. Faultless through faith in that person, that sacrifice. Without fault and with great joy, and we can experience that joy now. We're still on the trip. We're still heading for the jail doors or the the celestial city, and the gates are already open for us. We're still on the walk there. But we can do it with joy. To the only God, our Savior, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. It's amazing to me that our salvation, my salvation, was already in the mind of God before he even created the earth. Before the first human being, Adam, came into existence, before God breathed life into that handful of dust, he already knew a handful of dust that is standing before you today who would someday come to trust Him somehow in their own foolish way and they would be delivered from their sins and someday stand before Him faultless. If that is your life now, keep yourselves in God's love. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. If it is not currently your life, make it so today. Trust Christ and what He's done for you. Fall upon His mercy. If you have questions, come and talk to me about them. I'd love to to speak to you about the questions you have because the Bible has the answer for our questions. It has them all and, and, and I'll always hope I was talking about my dad earlier. He died two years ago at the age of 92, and I'll always hope that he changed his mind before the end. I don't know that, but I hope so. I hope you change your mind, too, if you're not currently a follower of Jesus. Please do. Let's pray together for a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you today. You are wonderful, you are beautiful, you are amazing, and you love us far more than we can even imagine. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. Thank you for bringing us here today to worship you. We praise you today, and we're full of gratitude for Jesus' sake, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.